Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today's case is out of Oxnard, California. Small talk sucks, so let's dive in. Dave Lout, a.k.a. Dave, was born in Finley, Ohio, but Ventura County, California was his home. By the time Dave was a senior in high school, he stood at a whopping six foot three inches tall and he was all muscle. He excelled in various sports, but his crowning moments were in football and track and field. In fact, during Dave's senior year, he was the number two shot putter in the entire state of California. He was so good that he was named as part of the Scholastics Magazine All-American High School Track Team. After graduating high school, Dave enrolled in Community College, where he earned the title of State Junior College Shot Put Runner-Up. The following year, he went to a different college, where he was named State Junior College Shot Put Champion. After becoming the champion, he went on to attend UCLA, where his athletic career took off. During his time there, Dave became the UCLA track team captain, won two consecutive NCAA titles, was honored as the Southern California Track and Field Athlete of the Year, got a gold medal for shot put at the Pan American Games, and was set to participate in the 1980 Summer Olympics. But the U.S. boycotted due to them being held in Moscow, so that one didn't really pan out, at least not yet. But while his Olympic goals might have been on hold, Dave had another major event on the horizon. That December, he married his girlfriend, Jane. They'd started dating in college, but they had gone to high school together where she was a star volleyball player and homecoming queen. Dave's sister-in-law told 48 Hours that Dave beamed when he talked about Jane. He had her up on this pedestal and Dave's mom, Dottie, said that she really loved Jane too. Following the wedding, Dave continued to excel in sports. In 1982, he set the American shot put record, and two years later, in 1984, Dave's dream of playing in the Olympics finally came true. He was slated to win the gold but took home the bronze instead, but it was still a huge accomplishment. His medal sent him straight into hometown hero status back in Ventura County. 
Bronze was great, but Dave was determined to win gold at the 1988 Olympics, but a bad accident that blew out his knees prevented him from going. The injury was absolutely devastating to Dave, and he ultimately had to give up his entire athletic career. He had to come up with a new plan for his life, and he settled on teaching. He started off as a biology and anatomy slash physiology teacher at Santa Clara High School, then took on roles in the athletic department, and as time went on, he got his master's in physical education. With his master's in hand, he went on to serve as the athletic director of another high school. According to court documents, throughout the years, Dave and Jane tried to have children, but they were unsuccessful. So in the late 90s, they adopted a baby from South Korea. Jane became a stay-at-home mom and later took on the role of treasurer of the PTA. The family settled into a cute little three-bedroom house on Raft Lane, and it was in this adorable, quiet little neighborhood near Sea Air Park, where the houses hug each other on sidewalk-lined streets, and it was just the perfect place to raise a family. By the summer of 2009, the Louts child was 10 years old and Dave was still working as the athletic director, which was a job he absolutely loved. Despite his long-lost dreams of Olympics past, Dave's life seemed to be going perfect, at least until August 27th. At around 11.30 p.m., Jane called 911 to say that her husband Dave had gone outside after hearing a possible intruder and she heard gunshots. She said that she and her daughter were still inside, but Dave never came back in and she didn't know if he had been hurt. Jane stayed on the phone with the operator as police rushed to the scene and according to court documents, as police showed up, they could hear Jane inside sobbing, saying, I see shadows, I see shadows. And he didn't come back inside, he went outside, he didn't come back inside. Police made contact with Jane, who told them that Dave had gone out through the back sliding door and hadn't come back in. Officers asked if there were any unsecured weapons in the house, because safety first, and Jane assured them that they were all in a gun safe. Officers searched the backyard and found Dave, but he wasn't alive. There was blood pooling around his face, and it was clear that he had been shot multiple times. An autopsy later determined that he had been shot five times with 22 caliber bullets. He had a fatal gunshot wound to the back of his head, which had been fired at very close range, and two gunshot wounds to his right cheek that had gone through his face. Another bullet hit his arm, with another hitting him in the back. There was actually a sixth wound, but it was hard to tell exactly what it came from. It was to Dave's head and was noted as a possible blunt force injury or a graze wound. Hey guys, the sun is finally showing its face again, which means I'm finally able to get outside. I do love the snow, even though we didn't get much of it, but this winter has been brutal, and I cannot tell you how happy I've been to just be able to go on walks again. And of course, it's not a walk if I don't have my Raycon Everyday Earbuds in. Raycons offer amazing quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. And if you don't believe me, you can believe there are tens of thousands of five-star reviews or the many, many posts from listeners in the Big Mad True Crime Facebook group. Raycon's optimized gel tips are designed to fit comfortably in your ears and actually stay there when you're out here living your best life. 
I've worn them running, climbing, blow-drying my hair, and cleaning under beds, and to date, they have never fallen out. Honestly, I don't know how they design these things, but they're as snug as a bug in a rug without hurting my ears. I don't know if it's just me, but for whatever reason, most earbuds make my ears sore, but my Raycons never have. I have so many pairs, and they come with me wherever I go. I have a pair in my purse, a pair in my car, and another pair in my bathroom. I never want to be somewhere and not have them when I want to use them, and I also don't want to have to hunt a pair down every time I want to listen to some of my music or a podcast. And with their eight hours of playtime and 32 hours of battery life, they're always up for the task. My go-to are their everyday earbuds, and they come with some pretty awesome features like noise isolation and awareness mode. I use awareness mode when I still need to adult while I'm listening. I just use the tap function and boom, I can clearly hear my podcast or music while still being able to hear and listen to the millions of questions being thrown my way. But when I only want to hear my podcast or music, I use the tap function again and voila, it's just me and whatever I'm listening to. As a podcaster, I feel like I've tried every kind of earbuds out there and once I tried Raycon, there was no turning back. I feel like they're a staple of the Big Mad family at this point and I love it and I love that you guys love them. Go to buyraycon.com slash bigmad today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash bigmad. Buyraycon.com slash bigmad. After finding Dave's body, court documents report that officers went back inside to speak to Jane. She asked if her husband was all right, and when they told her that he had been shot, she repeated he was shot over and over again, almost like she couldn't understand. This was obviously a homicide investigation at this point, so a sergeant was called to the scene to get some more information from the only surviving adult in the house. He started by asking where she was during the shooting, and Jane explained that Dave had got into the yard while she stayed inside by the sliding glass door. She heard Dave yell, what the F, followed by three shots. Based on that information, the sergeant contacted other sergeants to set up some search teams for the shooter. It was all hands on deck for this armed and dangerous killer, but as hard as they looked for this guy, they found no one. While all of that was going on, other officers spoke with the Louts' next-door neighbors, one of which was actually an ex-Los Angeles County law enforcement officer. Their houses were so close together that they could sometimes hear conversations from the Lout home, so there was a solid chance that they could give some important insight on what happened that night. The neighbors said they were awake at the time of the shooting and did hear the gunshots, but they didn't hear any voices raised before or after. As is customary in any shooting, police decided to test Jane for GSR or gunshot residue. If you shoot a gun or are near a gun when it goes off, you're going to test positive for GSR. But according to court documents, when Jane saw the testing kit, she asked to use the bathroom. That's certainly an interesting response, but do not worry, the detective escorted her. Once Jane was back at the table, the detective started prepping the kit, and while he was distracted, Jane slipped off back to the bathroom. As soon as the detective noticed she was gone, he ran to the bathroom, but it was too late. Jane was washing and drying her hands. The detective told her to stop, and Jane apologized, claiming she had forgotten to wash her hands. Forgotten for what? 
At what point in time did she need to wash her hands? Nevertheless, the detective took Jane back to the table and tested her hands for GSR, but amidst the chaos, the detective failed to put a barcode on the kit and police lost track of it. Every second of that process was more stressful than the last, and the ending was terrible. Jane had spoken to the 911 operator, the responding officer, and the sergeant, but they wanted to have a formal sit-down interview with her, so they took her down to the station and sat her in an interview room while police back at the house executed a full-blown search warrant. According to court documents, the house showed no signs of an altercation, but something was definitely off. Inside of a grandfather clock, police found a 22 caliber Ruger revolver matching the source of the bullets recovered from Dave's body. If Dave had been shot with this revolver, his killer would have had to have pulled back the hammer each and every time he was shot, which is very deliberate. And then he had to get access to the house without Jane noticing and put it inside of this clock. In the laundry area, they found some unwashed women's clothing, which tested positive for GSR and blood. Jane claimed Dave had gone outside when he was shot and she was inside. These clothes were found inside of the house, so either Dave's female killer had come back inside and left her dirty laundry for Jane to clean, or Jane had a lot of explaining to do. Police also found various documents in the home indicating that Jane and Dave were dealing with some very serious financial issues. These documents included letters from collection agencies and a notice of wage garnishments for unpaid taxes. They also found a $300,000 life insurance policy equivalent to over $420,000 today, and it named Jane as the beneficiary. While officers were finding guns and clocks and crime clothes in the laundry room, detectives were interviewing Jane. She told detectives that their 10-year-old child was asleep in bed when Dave heard a noise out back. He thought something was happening in the backyard, so he went outside to check. Jane said she went out with him for a second, but Dave told her to go back inside, so after she went back in, that's when she said she heard the gunshots and Dave never came back. Court documents state that detectives asked Jane if she and Dave were having any problems, and she said no, just the usual things that every couple faces. They also asked her if her relationship with Dave was abusive, and she answered that no, it wasn't. At this point, detectives were obviously a little bit suspicious of Jane because they knew about the gun clock and bloody clothes. They told her that they thought she was holding something back and asked her to tell them the truth, they questioned why Dave had been shot five times in his own backyard, but Jane insisted that she didn't know and said she hadn't killed her husband. Following the interview, detectives took Jane to a dressing room to collect her clothes for evidence, and when she took her shirt off, they noticed two bruises on her upper left arm. One was an inch long and the other one was half an inch long, and when asked how she had gotten the injuries, Jane explained that a dog had done it. According to 48 Hours, just a few hours after her first interview, Jane told detectives that she wanted to talk again. This time, she had a completely different story, and in this version of events, Jane admitted to killing Dave, but said she only did it to protect herself and their 10-year-old child. She claimed Dave was abusive and left her no choice but to defend herself. 
Detectives had to take her statement into consideration, but also had some doubts. The neighbors hadn't heard anything strange that night, like any kind of altercation. There was no sign of a struggle whatsoever in the house. And for a man who had been shot five times, they noted that Jane only had two bruises. And at what point had she changed her clothes? Despite their questions, abuse is not simple at all. And detectives knew that they needed to conduct a very thorough investigation to try and get to the bottom of whether or not there had been abuse in the Lout household. While conducting interviews, multiple people said that Dave was verbally abusive. Jane's friends also mentioned that she always wore long sleeve shirts, even in the hot summer, and sometimes had unexplained bruises. Many people described the couple as very private, which could certainly explain why Jane didn't seek help if she was being abused. It's not uncommon for victims of abuse to keep the details to themselves or to try and justify their abuse in the name of what they think is love, but... The investigation here was just getting started. When Dave's brother and his wife, who was really close to Jane, talked to police, they said that they had never seen or heard about any abuse, nor did they notice any bruises or signs of harm. That being said, Dave's sister-in-law did mention that Jane had said Dave was very verbally abusive to her and their child. Jane hadn't mentioned any physical abuse, though. Again, because this is a serious topic, I do want to mention in general, as someone who has been in an abusive relationship in my past, sometimes the violent part comes with shame. You tell yourself, if he hits me, I'm gone, and then he hits you and you don't leave. You're more comfortable talking about the mean words than you are about the pushing and the choking. I'm not saying that that's what happened in this case, but I think you can see where this is going, and I want to make sure that we're never discrediting the complexity of abuse, even when detectives have their own suspicions. So let's get back to the case. According to the Washington Post, Dave's sister-in-law mentioned that in the last year, Dave and Jane's marriage was on the rocks. Jane had told her that Dave wanted to end the marriage, saying, he says he's going to leave and take our child, but that's not going to happen. I'm not going to let him take our child. Knowing that, detectives circled back to the Louts' neighbor, and when asked if he had noticed or heard any domestic issues at the Lout home, he said, absolutely not, I would have noticed that. And remember, they were very close and oftentimes heard each other's conversations. As the investigation progressed, things got weird. It was hard to discern fact from fiction when people started telling detectives about wild stories Jane had told them. For example, she told people she had been attacked by a stalker twice, had a man die in her arms at the bank, and was held up at knife point at the grocery store. This entire thing was turning into a hearsay nightmare, so detectives decided to regroup and stick to the facts of Dave's death. They needed to look at the evidence alone to try and figure out if he'd been murdered and, if he had, try to get to the bottom of what the motive might be. If they could work the case that way, maybe they could get a better understanding of what was true here and what wasn't. Detectives brought in a forensic accountant to scrutinize all the financial records in the Lout home. In doing so, the accountant discovered that Jane was the one responsible for their financial woes. She spent a whole lot of money, racked up huge amounts of debts, failed to pay their taxes, and even borrowed $60,000 from Dave's mom over several years. 
Detectives dug further into that money that she borrowed from her mother-in-law and learned that at one point, less than a year before Dave was killed, Jane asked her for $25,000. Now, she claimed that if she didn't pay the bank that amount, they were going to lose their house. Dave's mom wrote her a check for the full $25,000, but it didn't go towards the house. Detectives learned that she had cashed the check and then deposited $20,000 of it into the PTA bank account. Curious minds do want to know where the other $5,000 went. It was obviously time to look at that PTA account, and when detectives did, they found that a significant amount of money had gone missing prior to Jane depositing the twenty grand. Based on these findings, they theorized that Jane had embezzled money from the PTA and borrowed from Dave's mom under the guise of foreclosure to cover it up. Dave's sister-in-law told 48 Hours that Dave didn't know about their money problems for quite some time because Jane was the one who handled the finances. He didn't know their taxes hadn't been paid for three or four years, and he had no idea that they were falling behind on their mortgage payments. Detectives started to think motive and wondered if Jane was so desperate for money that she thought Dave's $300,000 life insurance policy could solve her problems, but maybe it was deeper than that. When a forensic examiner went through the Louts' computer, they found that in the weeks before his murder, Dave's user account searched for specific terms like divorce and divorce attorney. Detectives wondered now if maybe Jane found out that he wanted to leave her and that was a possible motive, or maybe it was all of it. Big Mad True Crime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, life is crazy. Every time anyone asks how I've been, I always want to say busy, but we're all busy. Whether we're working, parenting, or just adulting, sometimes it feels like there's just not enough hours in the day. I could think of a million things I'd do with that extra hour, but my toxic trait is that I'd probably fill it with work or something unrelated to any kind of me time. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time, but the real question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing in your schedule is to know what's important to you and make that a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I know that after I had my third child, I struggled even knowing what I liked outside of being a mom. And I do love being a mom, but it was almost like I couldn't see past that anymore. My husband would tell me to go and have some me time, and I didn't even know what I was supposed to do with it. Thankfully, I did get into therapy, and my therapist was absolutely incredible and helped me sift through my life to find me again. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I know that I personally went through a couple of them before I found the one that was right for me and was absolutely worth the effort. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash BigMad today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash BigMad.
After talking to the Louds' friends, family, and neighbors, and sifting through computer and financial records, detectives believe that Jane was either exaggerating or completely making up the abuse allegations. They didn't buy her self-defense claim and believe that she had planned her husband's murder in order to gain his life insurance payout. In February of 2010, Jane was formally charged with first-degree murder, which included a firearm enhancement. According to the Associated Press, following her arrest, Jane's attorney, in no uncertain terms, told the media that this was a case of self-defense. The attorney portrayed Dave as a serial abuser to his wife and child and showed photos of Jane supposedly taken after the incident where she appeared bruised. Jane was released on a $1 million bond, and her trial wouldn't begin for another six years. In those six years, she and her defense team turned down five plea deals. The final offer was for her to plead guilty to manslaughter and serve six years in prison, half of that possibly with good behavior. Jane later said, I felt if I took the plea, nobody would know what really happened. It would be like accepting what the prosecution said happened that night. It would be like accepting that they said there was no abuse with my child or me. Right before her trial was set to begin, Jane spoke with 48 Hours herself and explained that she didn't plan to kill Dave, but saw it as the only way to stop him from coming after her again. She described how his abuse had been going on for years, but escalated that night beyond anything she had experienced before. Jane recalled seeing Dave's temper for the first time while they were dating. She said if something didn't go right, if he couldn't find something, if he's throwing away a shot and it doesn't go as far as he wants, he's just losing his temper. According to Jane, things got physical shortly after their wedding. One incident occurred when Dave was leaving for an Olympic training session and Jane had forgotten to buy some bathroom supplies for his trip. She says he hit her, splitting her lip and leaving her with a black eye. He then told her that if anyone asked what happened, she needed to tell them that some black person did it. So according to her, that's what she says she did. Jane further claimed that all the crazy stories she told to people about the stalker, being held at knife point, etc., were to explain away Dave's abuse, though I am not quite sure how a man dying in her arms at a bank would explain abuse, but let's keep going. Jane told 48 Hours that Dave wasn't always physically abusive. Most of the time, he was emotionally and psychologically abusive. He would reportedly call her derogatory names and use racial slurs randomly. According to Jane, for the last two years of Dave's life, he verbally abused her every single day. Jane additionally talked about instances where Dave would intimidate her and their child by showing off his collection of guns. She said Dave even pressured her into playing Russian roulette. As their child got older, Jane noted that Dave's behavior worsened. She said there were many occasions when she should have contacted police but didn't. She said she regretted that decision because she put their child in danger. Jane explained that she stayed with Dave in the hope that things would get better and said she was unaware Dave had been looking into divorce attorneys. 48 Hours asked Jane about her and Dave's financial struggles, and she said they came from trying to cover bills, groceries, and tuition, as well as Dave's excessive spending habits. When asked specifically about that $25,000 from Dave's mom, Jane said it wasn't because she stole money from the PTA, but rather to cover for Dave. She claimed he had impulsively thrown the carnival money into the fireplace in anger. 
Jane said that on August 27, 2009, she and her child had come home late after spending the day at the beach. Dave was at home and had been drinking all night, and when Jane failed to ask Dave about his day, he got angry, accusing her and their child of not respecting him. Because of this, Jane says she put their child to bed early and then crawled into bed with their child because they were scared. Later, Jane heard Dave getting very angry in the hallway, so she got up to try and calm him down. She said, he just started swearing at me and I kept telling him I was sorry. And he started to come down toward our child's room and I saw the gun in his hand. Jane decided to lure Dave away from their child and out of the house. They went to the side of the house in the backyard where they stumbled, and Jane said, I don't know if we were falling or just, like, moving, but I felt one gunshot go off, and then we did fall. And I was, like, straddling him, and I honestly don't remember after that. Jane told 48 Hours that when she got up, she didn't think Dave was dead. Instead, she was worried he was going to jump up and run after her. When asked why she didn't tell the 911 operator or the police this story, she said that she didn't know, but Jane's story to 48 Hours only mentioned one accidental shot as they fell. That gun had to have been cocked every single time it went off, which would have been five times, at least three of which were to his face. Jane said that she was straddling Dave in the 48 Hours interview, but his fatal gunshot wound was to the back of his head. Jane's trial started on January 11, 2016. This trial was not a whodunit. Both sides agreed that it was Jane who killed Dave. This was a trial about the why. With that in mind, the jury would be able to consider three possible verdicts. Guilty of first-degree premeditated murder, guilty of second-degree murder, or not guilty at all, meaning they believe that she acted in self-defense. According to the Washington Post, the prosecution told the jury that Jane killed Dave intentionally and not in self-defense. They said she did it because she knew he was going to leave her and she wanted his $300,000 life insurance, even though she had already stolen thousands from the school PTA. The prosecution said Dave was not an abusive partner to Jane and called in friends and family of the Louts to testify. They all described Dave as a loving family man and a hometown hero and testified that they had never witnessed any signs of violence in their relationship. The prosecution outlined their version of events, which goes as follows. On August 27, 2009, Jane convinced Dave to go to the side yard of their house where she had secretly armed herself with a fully loaded 22 caliber Ruger revolver. Standing behind Dave in the dark yard, she shot him at least five times. Afterwards, Jane went back in the house, hid the gun in the bottom of the grandfather clock, changed her clothes, and called 911. She pretended to be upset, claiming Dave had gone outside to check on strange noises and was shot by an unknown intruder. When questioned by officers, Jane continued to lie, insisting the killer was an intruder. According to court documents, the prosecution made sure to point out that Jane's gun was a single-action revolver, meaning she had to pull back the hammer before pulling the trigger every single time. They also noted that Dave was shot once in the back of the head at very close range, indicating that this shooting was not in self-defense. Jane's defense attorneys painted a very different picture. 
They told the jury that Jane killed Dave to protect herself and her child from his abuse. According to ABC7, during their opening arguments, the defense said, Jane Lout lived with a monster and you're going to hear about it. You're going to hear in detail what he did to her. You're going to hear in detail how he treated her. You're going to hear in detail how he hurt her. He's not the hero of the Olympics. He was the monster who abused her for 27 years. The defense discussed the shooting, saying he was trying to get up on his knees when she starts firing. There was no aiming, no looking. If he gets up, she is done and their child is done. He kept coming and he would not stop. The defense explained that Jane initially lied to police about what happened because she was suffering from battered woman syndrome. They mentioned that Jane didn't receive any insurance money from Dave's death, which honestly she wouldn't have since she was being investigated for it and was charged with it. But Anywho, they went on to say that Dave was the reason for their financial problems and argued that she did not steal from the PTA. Some of Jane's neighbors and family members testified in her defense, saying they saw evidence of Dave mistreating her and her child, like bruises and Jane always covering up even when it was hot out. Jane and Dave's child, who was now 17, also spoke on Jane's behalf, saying that Dave had a quick temper, yelled a lot, and called them names, but couldn't remember any specific times when he physically hurt them. Though I should note that according to People Magazine, their child did recall one incident where Jane punched Dave. A psychologist testified on behalf of the defense, stating that she first saw Jane the evening after the shooting. She diagnosed Jane with PTSD and explained that battered woman syndrome was part of this diagnosis. She also noted Jane's struggles with major depression, anxiety, avoidant personality disorder, and dependent personality disorder. According to the Cleveland Clinic, avoidant personality disorder is marked by poor self-esteem and an intense fear of rejection. As for dependent personality disorder, the clinic states that someone with DPD may often feel helpless, submissive, and incapable of taking care of themselves. They also might have trouble making simple decisions. While testifying, the psychologist mentioned that Jane went through six years of therapy post-shooting, during which she discovered numerous instances of abuse from Dave. This abuse included verbal, physical, and sexual violence, as well as threats of death, such as Dave placing a gun in Jane's hand and playing Russian roulette, and threatening to cut her into pieces with knives. The doctor said that after six years of therapy, Jane's major depression had improved and her PTSD symptoms were getting better. According to court documents, a licensed social worker also testified for the defense, stating that she had interviewed Jane on three occasions and determined that she was a victim of battered woman syndrome. Gail said Dave isolated Jane from her family and friends and subjected her to emotional and physical abuse. Gail stated that individuals suffering from battered woman syndrome may experience a loss of executive function, commonly known as the reasoning part of the brain. Jane did testify in her own defense, which is generally pretty necessary when claiming self-defense. She explained that from the early days of their marriage, Dave was verbally and physically abusive. He would hit her and rape her, and it got worse in the months leading up to the shooting. She said Dave treated their child poorly, hurt their pets, and made mean comments regarding their child's race. 
She said that on August 27, 2009, she took their 10-year-old to the beach. When they got home, Dave was already there, and he was mad that she wasn't home earlier. She said she tried to make him dinner, but he threw it at her and demanded she make him another. Dave then sat in a chair in the living room, muttering to himself, getting louder. Jane said the tension in the house was unbearable at that point. Jane testified that she went into their child's room to watch TV. Dave was still in the living room at this point, talking to himself, and the next thing she knew, he came into the hallway and said, I'm so sick of her fucking shit. I'm so sick of this shit. Jane looked out into the hallway, and Dave came closer to her. She could see that he had a handgun in his hand, and he had started waving the gun around and yelling, I'm sick of your shit. Both of you have no respect. That little fucker in there, I want to blow their fucking little head off, and you are going to watch. I do feel like I have to mention that this is the first time we are ever hearing this version of events, but this is her testimony. This episode of Big Mad True Crime is brought to you by Wild Grain. Hey guys, I'm a carbitarian, and maybe that's not a real thing, but I love carbs. Bread makes me happy, I love it, and it will forever be a staple of my life. Last year, I found out about a bread subscription box, which seemed way too good to be true, but let me assure you, it was life-changing. Enter Wild Grain. Wild Grain is the first ever Bake From Frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, and every item bakes in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. Seriously, getting my box is like Christmas every month, and I know that even I, the worst cook in the entire world, can make it. I just go into my freezer, pick which one I want to make, follow the baking instructions, and boom, it comes out perfect every time. I have yet to meet a wild grain bread I haven't loved, and that even includes their fruity pastries. And for those of you who do not know, I don't like fruit. A couple months ago, my box included their blueberry biscuits, and they were glorious. They're puffy little delights, and I want them in my mouth on a daily basis. And since you can now fully customize your wild grain boxes, I've made sure they come in every box since. If you want a box of all bread, all pasta, or all pastries, your wish is their command because all boxes are fully customizable now. I don't particularly need a ton of pasta, so I usually swap that out for something new or something I already know I love. That being said, though, I did need some pasta the other day, so I threw my wild grain in the pan, and oh my gosh, if it wasn't the best pasta I've ever had. That pasta and wild grain's croissants are setting some serious new standards. For a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash BMTC to start your subscription. You heard me, free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash BMTC. That's wildgrain.com slash BMTC, or you can use promo code BMTC at checkout. According to the court documents, Jane testified that she managed to get past Dave and into the living room. He kept threatening to shoot their child, so according to Jane, she went onto the patio trying to lure Dave out of the house and away from their child. Dave followed her and ordered her to go back inside. Jane said that at that moment, Dave slipped on the patio's edge. As he slipped, she pushed his leg with her foot, 
causing him to grab her arm. They both started to fall and she grabbed his hand, holding the gun, pushing it away from her face. They struggled over the gun and two shots went off. Jane told the jury she wasn't sure if either shot hit him, but the two of them fell onto the ground with Jane's leg trapped under Dave's and she tried to push him off, but he kept coming after her. If you had a hard time following that bit of her testimony, you are not alone. I am not completely sure what she meant by saying she was trapped under him and he was also coming after her, but this is her testimony and this is what the court documents state. So once again, let's keep going. Jane said she believed Dave intended to kill her, so she fired three shots at him. So now we're up to five. She said she wasn't sure whether or not he was dead, but she went back inside and placed the gun in the clock and called 911. Jane explained that she lied to police about an intruder because she wanted time to get her child out of the house and to safety with her family. Though we should note here that if she had killed the threat, it does feel like that would mean they were both finally safe And regardless of what story she gave to police, they would have likely instructed her to find a place for their child to go to. I don't think that she needed to lie to them about what exactly happened that night or send them on an unnecessary manhunt in order for her to find a place for their child to go. During her testimony, Jane was asked about the money missing from the PTA funds, and she blamed it on Dave. According to the Ventura County Star, she explained that back in October of 2008, the school had a carnival and Jane was supposed to put their cash profits in the bank. But when she tried, the amount on the deposit slip didn't match the cash that she had. So she took the money home to count it, and while she was counting it, Dave got mad at her. She testified, he took the money, cleared the table with his hand, and threw it everywhere. He threw some in the fireplace, some he took, and put in the gun safe. It was everywhere, so I never made that deposit. Though it does sound like it was in two places and not necessarily everywhere, one of which she obviously couldn't get back if it was the fireplace, but it does seem like she could recover the money from the safe and maybe anywhere else if he threw it into the air. Though if he was abusive, maybe she didn't feel like she could get it out of that safe. But you do kind of have to wonder if she didn't feel safe enough to get the money out of the safe, though she did feel safe enough to ask his mom for $25,000 to replace all of it. In the end, jurors did not believe Jane's version of events, and on March 30th, they found her guilty of first-degree murder with that firearm enhancement. During Jane's sentencing hearing, Dave's brother and his two children spoke about the terrible loss of their brother and uncle, someone they say was their best friend and hero. They mentioned how difficult it was to cope with Dave's sudden death, especially when they had to endure hurtful accusations about his character. Despite their pain, however, they expressed forgiveness towards Jane. Ultimately, Jane received a 25-year sentence for murder, and due to laws at the time, she was also automatically given an additional 25 years to life for that firearm enhancement. Following her sentencing, Jane's defense attorney told the Ventura County Star that he believed the verdict was unfair. He said, Everybody thought Dave Lout was a hero, but the honest truth is, the only hero in the Lout household was Jane. She knows if she didn't do what she did, her child would be dead. Dave's brother fought back, telling the Star, Their desperate attempt to sway the jury became a hindrance to our desire to allow Dave to rest in peace. 
The stress of this at times became unbearable because I wanted so badly to be his voice and to stand up for him because he couldn't defend himself. Dave's sister-in-law added, she painted an ugly picture that was just lies. Jane was a desperate woman who was willing to say anything to try and get off. Jane appealed her sentence and conviction on various grounds, but her appeal was denied. The appeals court pointed out that on the night of the shooting, Jane demonstrated guilt by hiding the gun, changing her clothes, and falsely claiming that there was an intruder when talking to the 911 operator and to police. When it became clear that she was the one who had shot Dave, she changed her story entirely. The court found her late assertion of self-defense lacking in credibility. Furthermore, the court noted that Jane asked the jury to believe that she was able to wrestle the gun away from a former Olympic shot putter who was a very muscular six foot three. According to the Ventura County Star, in June of 2021, Jane had a resentencing hearing due to the mandatory gun enhancement sentence she had previously received. When Jane was sentenced in 2016, the law required the judge to add extra time to her sentence because a gun was involved, and that actually doubled it from 25 to 50 years to life. But in 2018, that law changed, giving judges the option to decide whether or not to apply those extra penalties. During the hearing, the prosecution argued against reducing Jane's sentence, noting that the shots were fired at Dave while his back was turned. Dave's family also pleaded with the judge not to reduce the sentence, detailing the ongoing pain of their loss and frustration at having to defend Dave's memory. Five years after the conviction, they were still having to do this. Dave's sister-in-law stated, I can't believe after 12 years of this nightmare, we are still living it. There were certainly a lot of people against any leniency here, but Jane's child appealed to the judge expressing a hope for future Mother's Days together if Jane's sentence was reduced. Jane's niece also spoke, saying, My heart shudders with fear for any battered woman to find the strength to come forward and ask for help when this is how our justice system treats them. In Jane's own statement to the court, she expressed regret for not leaving her marriage sooner and for taking her husband's life. She said, what occupies my mind is that if I had taken steps to leave Dave earlier, to end the cycle of abuse, to get my child to safety and avoid what happened the night I took Dave's life, if I had taken those steps, Dave would still be alive. Ultimately, the judge decided to cut Jane's 50-year sentence in half, citing her lack of danger to society and the unusual circumstances of the crime. He stated, whatever caused her to kill her husband that night, it was a unique situation unlikely to reoccur. She will be eligible for parole in August of 2032 when she is 75 years old. Many of Jane's family and friends, known as Team Jane, are fighting for Jane's release as they believe she was a victim of domestic abuse who acted in self-defense. One of the main Team Jane members is Dave and Jane's child. In 2022, they told KEYT, I think the results just weren't fair because at the end of the day, what she did back then, those many years ago, was not something she wanted. It was something she had no choice to do in order to protect her life, my life, the life of her dogs. I just don't think it's right she has to stay in prison. Team Jane runs a dedicated Team Jane Facebook page where they collect letters and emails to send to the governor. They've also petitioned the court to reduce Jane's sentence even further. However, on January 30th of 2024, the court denied their request. 
Team Jane has said they will not give up until Jane is free. So knowing what you know, what do you think? Hey guys, I subscribe to almost everything. I don't have cable, but I love a late night binge watching session. And because of this, if there's a streaming app, I probably have it and I can also be a little bit forgetful. As it turns out, at some point, I managed to sign up for the same streaming service twice. This definitely felt like a me problem when it happened, but apparently more than 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Thankfully, however, Rocket Money is there to point out whoopsies like mine and will even take care of the cancellation process for you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses. I just open the app and can see everything I subscribe to, and if I see something I don't want anymore, Rocket Money helps me cancel it with just a few taps. I can also see my spending and see how it compares to the previous month so I can clearly see my spending habits. They'll even help me create a custom budget to keep my spending on track. And if that wasn't amazing enough, Rocket Money will even try to negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. I know they recently told me that they might be able to lower my internet bill, so count me in on that. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest, meaning they deal with customer service for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash bigmad. That's rocketmoney.com slash bigmad. Rocketmoney.com slash bigmad. If you or someone you know needs help escaping an abusive relationship, you can call the Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE, which is 7233. You can chat at thehotline.org or you can text START to 88788. All three of those are 24-7 free and confidential. There are also countless resources available on their website. Check out Dave's highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley, and join me there today at noon Eastern where you go live with me and we talk about today's case and all other true crime cases on your mind. To get access to ad-free and bonus episodes, subscribe to our Apple Premium or head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bigmadtruecrime, where for just two whole dollars a month, your episodes are totally ad-free. If you love the podcast, feel free to leave a review. It makes my day every single time. And if you have a case you'd like to hear covered, share with Big Mad True Crime on social media because all cases are covered by listener request. I'll be bringing you a brand new case next week and I cannot wait. But until then, we out. All right, guys, we are officially at the end of this episode, which means that it's usually a time for me to read a review that made my entire day, but I have been working on another case for five weeks now. We are about to absolutely Chris Watts this case. Anybody who has been here from the OG days, you know that we did a 10-part series there. I don't think this will be 10 parts, but it will be multiple parts. Anywho, 
my brain is absolutely fried and I did not ask Kyle to send me screenshots of your amazing, beautiful, loving reviews. So I'm so sorry. I love you guys. I know you're putting them in there. I just didn't ask. And honestly, I've read mean reviews before and so I don't read them because I want to like myself and not let mean words hurt my bones. Sticks and stones, you know, whatever. You get it. So I'll do better. I'm so sorry. I love you. And thank you for everybody who did. And next week, obviously, I'll read one and I'll plan ahead better. But I would ask Kyle now, but he's taken OG to the pediatrician because he's home sick today. He don't feel too good. So anywho, since I bombed that part, let's roll into our hot take, which is right now. This case is a hard one to do a hot take on. And I don't know if it is just because I have a history in my past. I was in a really uh, terrible, violent relationship. I've opened up about that in a few different avenues. You guys, I think like the first Q&A we did, I kind of went into a lot of detail there. It is so hard for me to process the idea that someone would make up abuse. However, I am very, very aware that it does happen especially doing some research on this case and the research I'm doing for the case I mentioned earlier, I did find some really alarming statistics. That's not a rabbit hole I've ever been down because I've been on the exact opposite end. I was the one being abused. And so it's hard for me to wrap my head around the idea that someone would make that up. It is obviously something that happens and it's hard to talk about because you don't want to give too much oh gosh, I don't know the right way to say this, but you don't want to shine such a big spotlight on people who make up abuse allegations that it outshines the people who have a hard enough time being believed in the first place to get help to get away from their abuser. That's such a tricky thing to discuss. And so in this case, it's difficult. I think, oh gosh, ugh. This is one where you just have to look at the facts and then you have to really draw your own conclusion. A jury convicted her, but there are a lot of people out there who truly believe that she acted in self-defense. Another case I'm working on, it is a lot more clear as far as the facts of the case and maybe the details of the relationship. And there are a lot more people coming forward and mentioning specific instances. But I will say that both cases involved very grandiose lies. You're gonna hear the next one soon, and it's gonna be a fucking roller coaster. But in this one, you heard the grandiose lies as a man died in my arms at the bank. I had a stalker who attacked me twice. I was held at knife point in a grocery store. And those are really big, tall tales. I guess what I'm saying here is that when I am in doubt, whether it is a grand jury that is held that gets someone indicted when I don't necessarily understand the circumstances of a crime, or whether I'm wondering if there's more information in a case where someone was convicted, I do tend to trust the jury because they saw things and heard things that maybe we aren't all privy to. And this jury decided that she was guilty. In the end, he had wounds to his back. The gunshot wound to the back of his head was close range, and you can tell that through maybe a burn pattern or stippling, but it is very obvious when something is a close range gunshot wound, and it doesn't necessarily match the first story of her straddling him in a 
The second story had, you know, when they were falling, two shots went off. The first one was just one shot went off. And, you know, the second story does explain the five bullet wounds. But it is interesting that she says that, you know, she was moving his hand away from her face and then two shots went off. All of them seem to have made contact with her body, though. It does seem as though when she says she grabbed his hand, the gun was facing away from him and somehow in these split seconds or whatever, when the gun accidentally went off or whatever, all of them made contact with him. None of them seemed to have gone anywhere else. I would be interested to see the trajectory of these bullets in the yard, but that is not information that I have. I would have also liked to, you know, again, like, I'm not a jury, but in pure just curiosity about the facts of this case, which is a little tough, I would have liked to see the bruises. There are different stages of bruises. She initially said that the two bruises on her arm were due to a dog. It would have been interesting to see whether or not those look like newer bruises or older bruises. But again, I just don't know. So anywho, let me know what you think about this episode. I know on Spotify, there's a Q&A that's like, what do you think? I want to hear your opinion or reach out to me on social media. We are going to have the live today at Monday as always. So I definitely want to hear what you guys think based on the facts of this case, just the facts available. What's the conclusion that you came to? Do you agree with the jury or do you agree with Team Jane? So 